You are listening to a message from Southview Church, located right outside of Nashville in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Now here's our featured sermon of the week. So today, we're starting a new series. This is three weeks. I'm going to be teaching you a little bit about the Bible. Now, I want to do this because I believe God wants to bring a healthy balance to this church. Okay, thank you, Tim. A healthy balance is good. How many know that balance comes sometimes from tension? How many love tension? That's right. Thank you, Prague. Just me and Prague. That's it. When you get to understand the point of tension, you begin to embrace tension. Now, if anyone has worked out in this place, you know that tension is the only thing that brings results. You can't go and lift five pounds for 14 years and expect to build a muscle. You have to bring more tension. So today, the title of this series is called The Word and the Spirit. The Word and the Spirit. I want to talk to you about this thing called the Bible. Some of you have a written form in front of you. Some of you have a digital form. I still like the written form because I can write in it. I can hide any highlighters in here. Anybody like to highlight your Bible? Anybody like to write in the in the margins still? Anybody like that? Come on now. This is the this is the only time you can write in a book, and it's okay. I'm writing this book. Yeah, thank wow, Mike, you're militant about writing in books. <laughs> so let me talk to you about this book a little bit. Number one, it is a book of 66 books written over the span of 1,500 years. You thought you took a long time to do something. This one took 1,500 years to complete. It is written in three languages, which is Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. And this is the part that blows me every time, blows me away every time. 40 authors authored this, over 40 authors. I don't know if you could find four people to agree on something to write, let alone 40 authors over 1,500 years. Different groups of people, different backgrounds, all writing the Word of God. The Bible, if you didn't know, is like a library. It's like a bookstore. Why? Because there is a collection of three main literary styles. Let me talk to you about the writings of the Bible. Number one, 43% of the Bible is narrative. Narrative are historical accounts, parables that Jesus would read and tell, and biographies. Narrative is what we tell our kids in children's ministry. The story of Samson, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We all like the narrative part, but it's only a 43% of the Bible. There is also 33% poetry. Now, some of you ladies are like, I like poetry. Song of Solomon, Wisdom, Prophets. Those are the prophetic books or the poetry books, I should say, where God speaks in poetry. Now, if you know anything about those two literary styles, they're completely opposite. Telling stories and reading poetry, you have to be able to understand context, say context. Over these next few weeks, I'm going to talk to you about how to read the Bible through context. So the last one is 24% is called prose discourse, which is speeches, letters, essays. These are ideas, thoughts, and reasons that lead us to a response. These are the books of the law, books of wisdom, and even the letters that the apostles wrote. Now, just looking that alone, many of you are going, wow, the Bible is more expansive than I thought. It's like you can't just read one book and go to the next book and still experience it the same way. Every book, it's like walking into a library in one particular book. 
Now, the Old Testament, which we also can refer to as the Jewish Bible, was called by an acronym called the Tanakh. Say Tanakh. The T in Tanakh, this is an acronym, the T stands for the Torah. The Torah in the Greek means law. So the first five books of the Bible are the books of the law. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. The next part of the acronym is the N. It's the Nephahim, which means prophets. And these are historical books. Joshua, Samuel, Kings, and prophetic books. Isaiah, Jeremiah. These are the books of the prophet or books written by a prophet. And the K is the Ketavim, which is the writings, the Psalms, the Proverbs, books of Job and Ruth. But the Tanakh, all throughout it, it speaks of a Messiah to come. Everything from the very beginning to the very end. It talks about it. And here's the problem with the Tanakh. It doesn't end with him coming. It's like a book that leads to a climax that never hits it. We are reading this, and for 400 years, the people of Israel were left without a conclusion. 400 years. There was a period where no one heard from the Lord. And in those 400 years, or I should say towards the end of those 400 years, a Jewish prophet shows up named Jesus. Jesus shows up and begins the authoring of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the four Gospels. Four separate writers, four different backgrounds, all writing from an account in agreement. Very difficult to do. For those of you writers, you know. The letters of the church come next. And the very last thing which Ruth talked about is the apocalyptic literature. How many know Revelation's not something you easily want to teach on? Revelations is a very interesting book because Revelations talks about revelation, symbolism, and some of it is or could be reality. These are where theologians debate all the time. Are we in the book of Revelations? I believe we are. Somewhere? I can't tell you where. And if someone does, say, by the way, Jesus doesn't even know the time. So how do you know? Just tell them that. And let them sit with that for a moment. So how did we get all of these things, all of these writers, all of these years to form the Bible that you have today? Good question. One of the issues that was rising up in the early church was that we had two groups of people. We had the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians. And as you know, because we talked about this a few weeks ago, Peter and Paul had a debate. How can we expect the Gentile Christians to live like the Jewish Christians. And so there became this discussion. We need to begin to put together the writings. And so let me talk to you about how this all came about. The Old Testament is written in Aramaic and Hebrew. There also were these things called the Second Temple Writings. Anyone ever heard of Maccabees? Anybody ever heard of the Maccabees? Okay, all right, some of you, come on now. As a kid, I never heard of it. There's also other writings, Maccabees, there's Tobit, there's Judith. These are writings that were written around the same time that speak to what was going on. Doesn't make, they're not heresy. They're, They're actually writings that were adopted into the early manuscripts. And then the New Testament, which was the apostles' writing, they were written in Greek. Now, over time, it was composed, it was then circulated and used, and Other books were added and taken out, and then finally it was confirmed. Most communities who used the books officially agreed no more books can be added or taken away, and the New Testament was confirmed, and the Bible was confirmed in the late 300 A.D. Now, 
I want to show you something here because there's three trains of thought. There's the Eastern Orthodox, which actually have the Old Testament, New Testament, and some canons sprinkled in there. Then you have the Catholics, which believe the Old Testament, some of those second temple writings, and the New Testament. Some of you are like, I'm checking out already, Mark, dance. I'm not dancing. This is a study today. Put on your study hat. The Protestants, which we are today, many of you don't know that, you are, you're a Protestant because you believe that this Bible, both the old and new, come together to form the Bible. When the Protestant Reformation happened in 1500, it was actually a bringing back to the original manuscripts. We're going back to the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, the Protestant Reformation, if you don't know about it, was very instrumental to helping shape what we believe here today. There was a man by the name of Martin Luther. It was just Martin Luther, not Junior King. It was Martin Luther. And he had an encounter that led him to nail a thesis on the door of the church. Now, I don't have time to get into this, but you can study this on your own. It transcended the way we saw the church and how the church functioned. When that Reformation happened, it brought it back to the Bible that we have here today. Why am I sharing all of this, Pastor Mark? Why are you sharing this? Good question. Because I want you to see that the only way this could ever come together is if it was authored by a higher authority. You can't stumble across this. This doesn't magically appear. And also, it doesn't stand the test of time unless the Holy Spirit breathed this into creation. You must understand this before we go any further. Because if you are a Christian, you must understand why. Context and history are important. I don't like history, but now I am learning to appreciate the historical context that create the Word of God that I have today. Young people, be histor historians and theologians when it comes to your faith. And older people too. Everybody. Let's just all do it. Anyway, 2 Timothy 3. It says this. But as for you, South you, South you, you people, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which were able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Many of us can say, that's me. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped in every good work. You want to be equipped? You want to be complete? Understand the word. 2 Timothy 4, let's go to the next chapter. I charge you, South you, in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For a time is coming, and maybe it's here, when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itchy ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, South, you always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Here is where the tension lies. How do we balance the written word with the Holy Spirit speaking to us today? Glad you asked. Because the reality is, if you've been saved for any length of time, you've developed certain things in your part of life that you don't even think about or even understand why you do it. Some of you were raised to take communion where you come up and somebody serves you communion. 
Some of you have the little all-in-one very easily, but it's very hard to rip the top off. Communion cups. Can we, can we find whoever makes these and help them to not make the wafer so hard to get out? Some of us are used to hymns. Any hymns brought up with hymns? And some of you, you're used to Chris Tomlin. Any Chris Tomlins? Okay. Notice I said hymns and Chris Tomlin. He's now become an error in the church. The Chris Tomlin error. Anyway, many of us have catchphrases that we don't even think about. Any Christian catchphrases that you've heard, just shout them out. WWJD, that is a good one. Does anybody know what that means? It's just a bracelet. Anyway, any other Christianese? Come on. God is good all the time. God is good. What did you say? See, oh, seasons. I'm just going through a season. That's a good one. Anybody ever hear the word fellowship brought up at the workplace? Hey, guys, after this, we're going to go fellowship with a bunch of hobbits. Are we, what are, we, are we in the Shire? Where are we going? Any other Christianese things? See, many of you, you've, you've, you've never really thought through the things that you said. How many of us, don't show your hands because every one of you done it, where you pull a scripture out of context and you quote it? Ooh. We're going to talk about that next week. You need to come back. But it's so interesting we don't mean to do wrong, but we just kind of get off, right? And what we have to be reminded is the Bible was God-inspired man to write it. God-inspired man. There's no other way. And the Holy Spirit, God, infills man to live it. I believe, Southview believes, that you cannot have one or the other. You must have both. And I want to talk to you today because there's people here today, even those of you watching online, where you have been really fixated on the Word but don't want to get anything about that Holy Spirit. I don't want to talk about Him. He's just weird. And I'm not really sure He works today. And then there's some of you raised in a charismatic church where you shut that up a hole, ha, ha, yeah, and you're not even sure what the heck it means. Couldn't quote a scripture, don't even know the address it's at. But you feel like you hear from the Lord. I want to bring balance to this church because I believe where there is balance, there is order. And where there's order, Jesus works and does great things. We either want the rules and laws without the unknown or we want the unknown without the rules and laws. So let me give you an example of a study. The American Society of Landscape Architects, believe it or not, anybody part of that society? I didn't think so. If you want to be part of it, you can find somewhere to go. Anyway, that the, the American Society of Landscape Architects, they did a study. And in this picture here, you'll see an image here. These were two playgrounds where they took children and two very similar playgrounds. One had a fence, the other one did not. And what they noticed as they studied these kids is that the playground without a fence the children stayed close and they didn't explore past each other the one with the fence the children explored to the other boundaries around them freely what they noticed is was that people or children inherently appreciate boundaries boundaries actually allow them to explore more than they would have if they didn't have them let's bring that into the word for many of us in the charismania christian eh, we just love no boundaries there's no time to our services they just go on forever but what happens is we start to lose 
our foothold. Many people in the care, I can only speak to it because I've been in it. Many times people don't know the love of God because they've explored way past things. But when you put it in the context of the word, oh, now I'm talking. It's the fence that gives us the rules. Come on now. Some of you like rules. You, you start twitching. No, rules are good. The law is good because it brings us boundaries to explore. I'm getting ready to preach. My foot got off the chair. Bring it back. God gives us laws, but freedom to explore within his kingdom. Let me give you some catchphrases that you may have heard growing up. Maybe you've said this. The Holy Spirit made me do it. He's like, what? I, I, I wasn't even there. I, didn't even know, I don't even know your name. Thus saith the Lord. I have a word of the Lord for you, my friend. Now, I am not against that, but I'm wondering how many of us really have heard from the Lord. Let me give you a person that I have um, read a little bit about. His name is John MacArthur. He's a pastor in California. If you don't know him, uh, he is one of the leaders and pastors that came up against the government in California and actually won the lawsuit to stay open. John MacArthur was a kind of a hero of mine last year. But I have to say I disagree with John MacArthur's theology in many places. John MacArthur is a phenomenal teacher. He actually has a MacArthur study Bible. But he is very strong in his belief that the Holy Spirit does not speak to you in prophetic voices. And let me just say, wow, don't get it. You guys are hating on him. Show me where he is. <laughs> this is something he said here. Long article. Many people, if you've heard about him, you know. Most charismatics at one time or another feel that God speaks to them in some specific manner, either through an audible voice, an internal impression, a vision, or simply by using them as a vehicle to write a song, compose a poem, or a, other a prophecy. Now, he will use scriptures, as many of you may have heard growing up, if you're from this background. 1 Corinthians 13. Like, I know exactly where we're going. Love never ends. As for prophecy, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Now, what John MacArthur will believe is that the perfect coming was the written word of the New Testament. But what I believe, as I study it and have studied and spoken to many other people, is that the Perfect coming is when Jesus comes. We no longer will need to prophesy or heal because Jesus is here. That's number one. Then they've also used Deuteronomy 4. I'm just going to pick a few out, and you can dive deeper if you want. I want to hopefully lead you to going deeper. Deuteronomy 4, 2 says, You shall not add to the word that I've commanded you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. Interesting, this was written in the Torah. This was written to the Jewish people, and then God decides to add to it through his son Jesus. Isn't it interesting the tension that the Jews must have experienced knowing Deuteronomy 4.2? And here comes this brazen rabbi priest that declares to say, you have heard it said, but I say. See, we don't put ourselves in that tension. Hold on a second. How about Revelations 22? I warn everybody who hears the words of this prophecy, of this book, if anyone adds to it, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. If you take away, huh, oh man, that's, that's a word for today. 
Well, let me ask you something. Have we really looked into it? Because what he's saying is anyone adds to the book of Revelations. We're not to add to that book. John MacArthur's theology, now I don't have time to go deep into it. There's a whole lot of stuff. But John MacArthur's theology, in my opinion, is at odds with the very nature of the revelation that he personally must receive in order to teach any given week. No teacher or pastor is, any, is worth any weight if he doesn't get revelation in real time from the Holy Spirit. And I will say to you today, if you are under someone who doesn't believe that the Holy Spirit gives revelation or speaks, you should question whether or not what he's saying, not that the scripture is not timeless, but that we need the constant revelation from the Holy Spirit. I'm going to go into this more over the next few weeks. Some of you are like, we'll talk more about that. I don't have time. I will say this. This is the problem I have, is how can we say that God stopped speaking at the end of Revelations and not put into account what happened in the 1500s at the Great Reformation? And let me say this to you today, too, because some of you say, well, God only uses perfect people. Martin Luther, towards the end of his life, became anti-Semitic. He was vindictive and stubborn. So God only can use perfect people? Hmm. Let me give you some tension questions. I think you should ask yourself. I ask myself this all the time. How can we explain the Bible today without people being drawn and enlightened by the Holy Spirit? Most people, both sides would say they agree the Holy Spirit is at work. But I just think the Holy Spirit needs to be fully released to do everything. That, why? Because this is my second question. Is the Holy Spirit's job relegated to just playing in the background now? It's just like, the Holy Spirit, we're going to give you opportunities to do great things. Let me say this. Are we supposed to believe that God stopped speaking to humanity like he did for thousands of years from creation to through the disciples' lives and then all of a sudden decided, I'm going to be silent for a while and you just read the Bible? Would God's desire for relationship with us in creation would cause him to become canoned or silenced after a period of activity because the book was written and nothing else needed to be said? Were miracles, prophecy, healings only for a time to create the Bible, but now we have the written book and we no longer need the author's personal activity in our lives? Why is it that many pastors, and I know this for a fact because I have encounters with this all the time, why is it that many pastors and churches are now searching for more about the Holy Spirit? Even the Baptists and the fundamental, these churches that normally don't talk about it, they're being flooded now with questions, and pastors are being led to say, I want to know more. If he really wasn't speaking or moving, then wouldn't we all be disappointed and just go back to believing he's silent? Finally, I can't personally discount the miracles the prophecies, and the healings I have personally seen even this week. So the tension is the balancing of both. The Bible is confusing without the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is a mystery and also a little weird to us without the definition of the Word of God. Now let me take out the word confusing and put this. It's a disruption. It's a healthy wrestling do you know that you should read the Bible and it should cause tension in you? See, some of us, we just like the words, the scriptures that make us feel good, right? I want to find something that will line up with what I'm doing right now. And so we got people trying to figure out what God says about sexual identity in the word. We're trying to find out what God says about vaccines in the word. Uh-oh, I've been flagged now. 
Say goodbye to this video. Why don't we just read the word and let it marinate in us and cause the tension to cause us to grow? I love when there's tension. Why? Because I know the Holy Spirit's doing something in me. So, John 14. This is Jesus doing the handoff. John 14, 25. And these things I've spoken to you while I was still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you remembrances all that I've said to you. Peace, who is the Holy Spirit, I'm leaving with you. Peace, Holy Spirit, I'm giving it to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. No, let not your hearts be troubled in 2021. Neither let them be afraid, 2021. Have you ever known somebody try to describe somebody they never met? Let me ask you this. Have you, have you ever heard those people that try to tell you like they're friends with somebody? You know what I mean? Like you all know that person. Maybe you are that person. You know what I mean? Like, yo, yo me and me and so-and-so, we tight. And you're like, really? Really, you're tight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's his name? I, I can't remember his name. Like, I, I, have you ever seen those people that try to talk about something they've never encountered? I don't want the church to be that. I don't want us to talk about the Holy Spirit without truly understanding the Holy Spirit. And you can't truly understand the Holy Spirit without really knowing the Word of God. See, the issue is not does the Holy Spirit move. The issue is that there has been error in the church. And the tension is the unknown for some of you analytical people. You're like, I can't understand the Holy Spirit because I can't see him and define him. Good. I don't want him to be defined by my finite mind. Ooh. Can you imagine the early church, the tension they were in? They were hearing the Tanakh. They were living it out. They were being told a set of rules. And here comes this guy from that little town just upset in the apple cart. That guy, Jesus, is why you're all here today. Everything that we do needs to line up with the Word. And the Word needs to be activated by the Holy Spirit moving in us. Next week, I'm going to talk to you about the balance. Talk to you about context. Too much to talk about in one service. But I want to leave you with this. There was a man in the Bible called Nicodemus. Think about this tension. He's a Pharisee. We've talked about Pharisees here. And he was part of the Sanhedrin, which meant he was part of the law part of the church. Nicodemus heard this crazy Jew speaking these things, and it intrigued him enough that it says in John 3, he visits Jesus one night under the cloak of night because he wants to discuss what Jesus is teaching. That doesn't happen if it's not something drawing him. Oh, he, he pops up again in John 7. He reminds his colleagues in the Sanhedrin that the law requires that a person be heard before being judged. He says, before you judge Jesus, we got to form a law. We got to put together a court. Like that's supposed to, he's trying to give Jesus an opportunity. Oh, and then he shows up again in John 19. This is what he does here. Nicodemus appears after the crucifixion of Jesus to provide the customary embalming spices and assist Joseph of Arimathea in preparing the body of Jesus for burial. Nicodemus has an encounter with Jesus. John 3. Now, again, Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit. We know that early in his 
his walk in, in, his, in his ministry, I should say. Nicodemus says this, it says, how can these things be? Jesus answered him and says, are you the teacher of Israel, yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? I believe God is saying this to the church. Church, if you will only believe what you see, how can I do things that are too good not to believe? Today, I want you to know that there is tension in your journey with Jesus. I just want you to be more like him. There's also balance in the destination. Our job is not to be filled with tension our whole life, but is to get to a place where we finally say, God, I trust you. You want to move like this? I've never seen it, but it says in your word you'll do it. I understand it. It, 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 it kind of reeks of your nature. I've read the word. This is what you do. So I'm not going to discount it. How many of us would have discounted a Martin Luther if we lived in that very time? And the concern for me today is in the constant wandering. As your pastor today, I want you to be well-balanced, diet. <laughs> I want you to have the Word and the Spirit within you. And I know that God is pleased when we seek Him. Thank you so much for listening to Southview Church. Southview Church is a non-denominational, multicultural, multi-generational, Holy Spirit-filled and led community. We believe that who the Son sets free is truly free. If you would like to connect with us further, check us out at southview.cc and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.